Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Welcome to the show, gearheads. We just watched a pretty exciting Grand Prix, the F1 Emilia Grand Prix from Emila, and it was, it got a little slow in the middle, but turned out to be a great race. This is John Massengale is sitting in the studio in Austin, and I'm joined by Jonathan Green, Dave O'Neill, and Les Kaiser via Zoom. And Jonathan, I want to get your take on this, man. It uh, turned out to be a great race. Yeah, um, I was kind of, like I said at the start, I, I was hoping that the safety car would play a, a role. And if it did, could lead to, to some interesting racing at the end. And it did. Um, great move. Uh, great race by Kibyat. He's definitely fired up. Um, he always does this when he's in contract um, situations. <laughs> he always seems to drive a little bit better. Um, got a feel for Botas um, because he didn't really do anything wrong. Um, and yeah, uh, but congratulations. I, I don't think I, ne- I never thought in my formula one time, I would ever see Ferrari's record beaten, but, uh, Mercedes, are killing it. Yep. Lewis Hamilton wins the race and Mercedes sets a record seventh constructors championship. That's a really an incredible record, but, uh, you were talking about Botas. I want to ask former team manager, Dave O'Neill, did you see the size of the piece of debris that came from the Ferrari car that was lodged somewhere in Botas's car? How the heck did, did he continue to drive that car? I don't know, but it was lucky it was behind the um, the intake. Um, there it is. Uh, yeah, um, it was lucky it was behind the intake. Otherwise, he definitely would have had cooling problems, which would have put an um, end, end to his day. It yeah, was well- just downforce that was affected. Yeah, it must have been affecting it pretty bad. He was starting to lock up. I mean, I don't know how many times he locked up before he finally let Max Verstappen pass him. But, but let me run down the order of the win here. It's Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Botas, Daniel Ricciardo with a second podium in three races. Daniel Kvyat with an amazing fourth-place finish. Charles Leclerc, Sergio Perez, Carlos Sainz, uh, Lando Norris, Kimi Raikkonen in the points in ninth. And his teammate also in the point, Giovinazzi in tenth. Latifi, Grosjean, Vettel, Stroll, and Albon. And then the... Uh, last cars to finish, and then Russell Verstappen, Magnussen, Ocon, and Gasly did not finish the race. But it was, it, it turned out to be a really exciting race, and a lot of it had to do with that safety car right there at the end when Max, I don't know exactly what happened, but he was just going down the straightaway, and his car just, it looks like something, he said something broke, but it was obviously a tire let go, but did anybody hear exactly what happened? The more video I saw, it looked like the tire just let go and came up, which, you know, is uh, to me, Dave, you can say it or not, but my thoughts were that there was probably some suspension damage. Everybody was using the curbs quite a bit at times, and I wonder if it didn't start giving and then uh, just the tire went first instead of the fatal failure of a suspension. Mm. Yeah, um, Again, I'd, I'd have to watch it a few more times, but I mean, you could be on the right path there, Les. The, the other thing is um, at that stage, um, when the cars are going that fast, the tyres are like balloons. So if he was offline slightly, he could have picked up a bit of debris um, and then that would have led to the puncture. Um, typically what happens with carbon suspension is it's it's a bit like um, a chicken wing. You know, once it's, once it's snapped, it's snapped. Um, it's not like um, a piece of metal where it starts to degradate and then finally give up. 
Um, it kind of um, the interesting bit from it once he stopped and they panned in for me was the inside of the wheel, what they're actually doing on the inside of the wheel now. I don't know if you if you go back and have a look, but um, over the surface of the inside of the wheel, the, the whole part of it, um, there's loads and or hundreds of little blocks that have been machined out, and um, what they're looking for is the radiation from from the heat of the brakes to go into the wheel and heat the tire heat the tire pressures up. So in turn, getting the tires to the um, desired temperature as quickly as possible. Yeah. Is everybody doing that, Dave? I, that was the first, I mean, I, you know, from what I've seen before, that's new. That's new to me. Um, and again, you know, a lot of the teams keep that um, under the right. awning, if you like, so it's hard to see, but definitely saw something going on there. Interesting. Well, I want to give out the phone number in case anybody wants to join us. 512-643-LIVE, 512-643-5483. And I want to thank everybody on Twitter. We've had a lot of activity on Twitter today. You can follow us at Speedcaster and, of course, on Facebook as well. And uh, if you're listening online, we also stream on Facebook and Twitter and on YouTube. So, uh, well, Jonathan, what else about this race uh, were you excited to see today? Well, I said that uh, Alban needed a good result for, for obvious reasons, Oof. and he didn't get the result, the desired result. Um, you know, he made a mistake in qualifying, and clearly the mistake again, while under pressure, I suppose, um, was his own. So um, I feel for him because, like I said, uh, Red Bull are, are pretty ruthless, so I was keeping an eye on his day. Verstappen, I thought, could win, but obviously, you know, uh, you saw what happened. Um uh, so to me, as looking ahead, Perez put another marker down for for you know for what he is about and how consistent he is. He's he's clearly the man um, in in most demand probably in the in the current driver market. And I wonder whether Auburn's seat is safe uh, at the moment. With I all doubt the youngsters it. Coming through. <laughs> I would say probably not. But hey, let's go back to the beginning of the race because it was not a great start for both Mercedes and let Max get up there into second place. And, and it was at that point, it was uh, Botas, Verstappen, Hamilton, and Ricardo. And, uh, you know, I'm just a little surprised that, that, uh, that both Mercedes had a bad start like that. But um, I think it, it was a good start by Verstappen more than, more than a bad start by Mercedes. They got, but they both rolled off the line well, did the Mercedes. But Verstappen was a bullet. Yeah. And so was Gasly. Gasly did a good job keeping out of uh, Hamilton's way. I mean, for, for, for all the people I feel sorry for, it's Gasly because yeah. uh, he was flying. He was doing good. Yeah, Gasly had a retirement. What was his – oh, they just said it was a, a water – it was something to do with the, oh, like a water pressure problem or something. So, they, yeah, he just got – he was going along great and got a team radio and said, pull it in, you're done. Yeah, they, they were worried about losing a power unit. Yeah, yeah that, is, that is a sad way. So, speaking of sad – what about George Russell crashing behind the safety car? I, I, I love the way you Brits, when we were about to go in there, are saying that you felt sorry for George Russell, but Grosjean, everybody gave him just complete holy hell when he did the same thing about three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you think? Well, I mean, I know that's we. I said it wouldn't happen to Grosjean. It's something that can happen. You're sitting there on cold tires. I mean, oh, it, it was a classic mistake. I mean, you know, and you saw his reaction was the right reaction, which was complete, you know, uh, distraught. Uh, he was totally distraught because, he, you know, he's been driving really well of late, but you're only remembered by your latest drive. So, yeah. Yeah, that was rough. Uh, <coughs> Les, uh, do you agree with me with, with these boys? Uh, that was ugly. <laughs> that was ugly. No matter who the driver is, uh, you know, <coughs> I think that's going to play into a lot of the items around, you know, what's he going to be doing, how seriously he's going to be taken. I just feel sorry for the guy for, you know, cause that's, that to me just echoes as a major issue. Mm. And, um, you know, we're going back towards the beginning of the race. You looked at when Hamilton got that virtual safety car. I mean, really that's, that just handed the win to Hamilton. I mean, if, if you were, a conspiracy theorist, you'd be wondering how that happened. <laughs> I thought it might give, bring Bodas back into into the, into the, the the fray, but it didn't. Yeah, he he was he was you know typical Hamilton. He was um, he was in the right place at the right time there for sure. The virtual safety car played into his hands, and 
he gave himself a nine, 10 second advantage by, um, by coming in. Um, but I mean, that, that's, that's sort of luck, but the, the, the rest of what he does, I'd, you know, he is not luck. He, he grinds out the result for sure. And even when he's behind, behind his teammate, he always, he always fail, you know, never fails to, to put his uh, best foot forward. And we got a, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the program that, you know, uh, about the relationship between um, Toto uh, and Lewis and therefore the sidekick, which is Botas. Lewis runs the team. I mean, he said on the radio, you know, don't stop me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But man, he was flying right before that, man. He was, he said, don't stop me. And he took off and he looked, I mean, really, Dave, you're talking about essentially just that is that yeah he was lucky but he looked amazing right before that he just looked like as good a driver as there is i mean i mean i mean the argument can be made now that we're watching the greatest formula 1 team of all time with the greatest driver of all time yeah i would agree uh, with yeah. that i mean yeah. yeah i think that's what you're looking at yeah and i need that is to sorry les go on Sorry, Dave. So, yeah, and I think as much as we see it and it's almost predictable, we don't realize or, or we lose view of how difficult this really is yeah. and what they've accomplished to do this on a level playing field as far as the rules, things of that nature. Uh, Mercedes obviously has big budgets, but still, look at what they're doing. Others are working with the same rules, and uh, it, it's mighty impressive. Go ahead, Charlie. Dave. Yeah, Julian Palmer said the same thing. You know, it's like you know, don't don't forget that Ferrari, Williams, everybody's, you know, and you know this, Dave, better than anyone. Uh, it's not like you, the other teams aren't trying. I mean, they are they are trying their damnedest. Yeah, agreed. And I think the, you know, it's not all down to one bloke, but in this case, I think it's definitely down to a lot of how Toto runs the business, um, the freedom he gives, and of course, um, the boundaries he gives people to work within. Um, do you think he's going to stick around? I'd like to see him stay around, um, whether it's whether it's with Mercedes or or someone else. Um, you know, ultimately, what else is he going to go and do? He's got a bundle of cash. He doesn't need to. Uh, he doesn't need to go and earn any more money, and he enjoys. You know, this is what fires him up. I can't see what else he's going to get fired up on a Monday morning to to go out and win his eighth world championship. Um, Where else but, would he go? Hey. Where would he go? Yeah, yeah. where else? Um, you, said, you said if he doesn't uh, stay at Mercedes. Aston Martin, he's got some... Uh, he's got some um, yeah, he that's take true. take Hamilton to Aston Martin with Vettel. Dream team. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> he could do that. And then, of course, um, you know, what are Ferrari going to do? You know, they, they need to do something. They need to put their... Um, put everything back in place again. And can they, is the question. Yeah. Back in place by, like, uh, another another... Find another way to... Make the engine go faster. That's <laughs> yeah. All the elements do the pit stops right. Well, you know, yeah. Engine go faster. Find a bit more downforce and um, get the consistency. You know, that's what it's all about: is um, putting together a team that is consistent, um, race in, race out, like force uh, racing point. You know, they. John, well, one point I would make that I I kind of made a, a note of, and Martin Brundle alluded to it, but. We've now seen two races at two new tracks, or you know what I mean, Portimao and yeah. um, uh, Imola, and I think they've got DRS wrong. Um, it, it didn't create overtaking as it didn't in Portimao, um, and so I think uh, Martin said, uh, Martin Brundle said, you know, it needs another hundred meters, and I agree, um, it didn't come into effect as an overtaking device because Tamburello is not a straight line corner, and it's fast going in. Um, it, it means that we didn't get any real. Uh, or a genuine DRS moment. I hate DRS, mind you, but but um, but uh, you know, if you're going to race there again, I think the the, the, the organisers should look at that as they should at Forty Mile, which it didn't work there either. Hmm. Yeah, I, you know, everybody love hate with DRS because if you didn't have it, you you might have some races with literally no passing at all. So it's the age old story well hey guys let's go ahead and take a quick first break and we'll be right back after these messages listen to speed city and we'll be back after this and continue to break down the imola grand prix
As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town, in your favorite store, or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company, born, bred, and brewed in Texas. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Talk 1370. Hey, this is Tony Stewart. You're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. We are discussing the Formula One Emily Grand Prix. And I'm going to look at the driver of the day that was voted on earlier. It looked like Kimi Raikkonen was in the lead. I'll check that in a minute. But I know the team radio of the day because it was Daniel Ricciardo when he said, holy effing cheese balls in response to his second podium in three races. <laughs> Uh, so that's what the next tattoo is going to be. <laughs> yeah. Cheese balls. <laughs> Cheese balls. So, yeah, I love this. Cyril Atterbol is is a very proud man and a typical Frenchman, but he's going to hate the fact that he agreed to this bet with Ricardo, which I can see the cheeky chappy from Australia talking him into over, over a beer or two uh, at some evening one night. And uh, he's got him. He's got him by the uh, by the <laughs> coq sportif. <laughs> I thought you were going to refer back to something else. Uh, by the else. way, if you don't know French, that is that is a cockle. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, well, I want to talk about McLaren because this was not a great day for them, guys. Uh, and they and they need no. it right now in the middle of this battle. Yeah, that was the big surprise for me. I, I, you know, I said at the beginning of the day, I thought, and and you know, Dave talked about the battle in the midfield, and and it's hotting up between McLaren, Ferrari. Um, and Renault and uh, yeah, McLaren were not a no show, but I, I I expected, especially given both their starts, that they would be there or thereabouts. But they just didn't seem competitive at the end, even with the restart with you know sort of eight to go. Yeah, Dave, what do you think's going on with those guys? I mean, I, I know that it's it, it, you know Formula One can everybody's bringing up grades and things, but what's wrong with McLaren right now? Um, maybe they just hit a. Um you know, turbulent patch. Um, and again, you know, we've talked earlier about the two new circuits that the teams have gone to um, and whether they're not able to um, adapt to that quick enough and, and get the tyres into the, the working range. You know, this is the, 
it's the tires and the downforce. The, the engine can definitely pull. Um, you see Ricardo um, up there doing the business. Um, so, yeah, I think well, they, they, sorry. Well, I was about to say, will you, the engine can pull, will the Mercedes be the final part of the package to pull him even further forward? That's mm -hmm. next year, I mean. Yeah, it's, I mean, you, you have to get the package right, don't you? And it's um, currently, um, they have a quick engine. Um, they certainly let let the rope go a little bit. There's a little bit of slip there for sure. Um, and for the final few, they need to um, dig deep to be able to come back and get that that championship position, which of course is worth worth dollar as well. Um, really important to a team that um, is starting to rely on the money. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, but you're but Jonathan, thinking about what you just said, if you if you plug in the Mercedes to that and and Dave finish up that package, they could be really competitive next year. It's funny. You, Ricardo leaving, uh, you know, the, the timing seems not great. He's doing two podiums out of three races, and now he's leaving the team. Maybe, you know, it's just so so funny that at F1 can be so fickle that everything comes together right like that, and then you leave the team. Yeah. I mean, but the other thing you know, to – sorry, I was, gonna, I was just going to say, the other thing is, you know, depending on what, um, what other part of the deal is with McLaren and Mercedes, whether they are going to get – um, you know more more components, or whether it's just the power unit. You know because they uh, they might choose to to build their own gearbox, and if they do that, um, from there you've got all the aero that spins off from the surface of the gearbox. So um, yeah, they they also have um, racing point to beat as well with um, a hugely uh, successful package under their bodywork. Dave, while we're talking about that, can you explain to me your understanding of? You know, we, we, we've talked about next year being a non-change year. But how, how, I mean, that's just not how Formula One works in terms of the minds of people like yourselves and people who, you know, develop these cars. So what will happen with these cars next year, given that we're, we're making a drastic change in 22? Well, I think the, the top end of the grid will certainly be, um, you know, wanting to win um, in 2022 and also 2021. So I think... A hugely expensive year for certainly the top three or four putting um, as much as they can in now um, for 2021, um, and then of course you'll have um, you'll have all those guys pushing for 2022 as well. And as it stands, someone like Mercedes, Red Bull, or Ferrari, they normally have two design teams which which kind of do a leapfrog or a, a leap year, if you like. So whoever's designed the car. Um, for the first part of the season, the second part of the season, um, those engineers will start the following season's car. So um, I would have thought that you'd now have four teams of engineers designing because you have the 2021 package, which you have to get right. And again, there's no point Mercedes going, oh, you know, we'll, we'll wait until 2022 and but get it right What can they then. do? What can they do to, to the cars in terms of rules? Because it's... Yeah. I get the impression it's to sort of stay stay as for next year, but can you still move forward? You can, yeah. I mean, the um, you know certainly the aero the aero side they can find little bits if they do if the calendar goes back to how it was this year, you can certainly improve on on places that you haven't been to before, like Portimao yeah. and yeah. and Imola. So there'll be a huge amount of um, you know looking at data and and finding out where they can improve. Um, there's loads of people that got that race wrong um certainly yes. understanding the tires um and if you re-ran it like like we did um a few grand prix ago um when, when we were doing the double headers in the same the same places all the results were completely different from one weekend to the other so um yeah there's lots there's lots to do there's lots of improvements to do um and of course like you you mentioned earlier john the they just don't take their foot off the gas when it comes to preparing um you just yeah you're always looking for that edge um and there's certainly some people that need to get better at pit stops um strategy decisions um and also being in the right place at the right time you can't do too much about that but um you can put yourself in a better place to start and that's yeah. where some of the teams need to look at hey speaking of pit stops what about and speaking of conspiracy theorists i said earlier what about what about vettel's what was it? A 13 second pit stop. And uh, that just, that took him, he was actually going to be in a pretty decent position for some points or could potentially have been. And that was a horrible pit stop from Ferrari. 
Yeah, not good. Um, I've, from what I saw was the um, the left rear. Um, they banged the banged the wheel on the um, brake drum on the way on, so it didn't go on square. And then they sorted that out. And then the bit that took the time was the right front. And what I think happened there um, is that the the guy had the signal to say it achieved its torque, which is um, you know the, mm -hmm. the wheel was tight enough and the signal was given. But what happens? Um, and what happened there in that particular case was the wheel nut got stripped on the axle. So what you have to do is you either change the wheel, but of course, when you get that communication over to the mechanics, it's um, what change one wheel, change four wheels. Right. So it's the, what they're trained to do is to strip the nut. So he backed it off three or four times, went back on, stripped the thread, went back off, stripped the thread, went back on, stripped the mm. thread. Until he until he found um, he found and he felt that the wheel was tight and it's a kind of a feeling thing you know because you you, you can write all these software programs for um, for pit stops but when you when you've done it enough you know when the wheel's tight and you get this sort of um, you know electric hammer feeling through the gun um, when you know it's tight but he obviously felt mm, that's not quite right I've got my light and then he took the opportunity to um, to take care of that because he saw that the left rear was um, under pressure. And don't you so. know when that's happening, every time it happens, you get more and more tense and more and more tense. It makes it worse and worse and it just snowballs. Yeah. Yeah. It just grows. And, um, you know, you're looking for perfection each time. And as soon as you touch, you touch the uh, touch your knee on the wrong thing, you knock the trigger hmm. uh, when the car's coming down the pit lane, your heart rate rises. Um, yeah. And all of a sudden, you put you put the unknowns in front of you, and then uh, that's where the mistakes happen. Hey, Dave, I want to ask you about uh, your former driver, Kevin Magnuson, because I, that was a very unusual team radio today when he came on and said he's getting a massive headache from the during the upshifts, and and then they retired the car. Um, two things: one, do you think you do you respond to your driver? you know, tough it up and keep going, buddy? Or do you, you know, they were, where was he in 18th or something at that point? But, but what do you think was causing all that? And what do you, that's part of that question. Yes. So, um, I guess you, you err on the side of safety for sure. Now, um, I think back in the James Hunt days, you just would have uh, switched <laughs> the radio off and told him to get on with it. Yeah. Uh, now I think from what, what I could digest from the conversation was that, when he was when he was um, requesting an, an upshift, um, the the parameters have been knocked out, so there's gear pots in there, and you know to get the gear gear change sweet and within thirty or forty milliseconds, you need to to tune the car. I'm only I'm only surmising here, but maybe one of the gear pots has gone out, um, and then when he did request the change, his head was banging back on the um, back of the headrest um, quite violently, um, and as I know, Kevin. He doesn't really complain about anything, you know. No. Like he's a he's a tough nut, um, so he wouldn't have said it unless it was doing something. He was probably I don't know, you know, blanking a, a little bit. But then um, you know, Gunter's a fair guy. He would have said, "Look, this is dangerous. We're in 18th place. Um, yeah, we we don't want to destroy a gearbox. We're going to get a penalty for the next race if we do that." So those are the sort of things you're thinking about while while that's going on. Um, okay. And They'd already fired him. They didn't need to knock him out. <laughs> didn't knock him out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, pull it in and, and move on to the next event, I guess. <laughs> yeah, might as well. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. What else? I mean, it, it really was uh, such a great race at the end after Max, and we saw so much action on track, including uh, some of the things we talked about. But, you got a feel for both Albon and Russell. I, I know that they're, you know, that they're, they've created those things for themselves, but uh, what do you, Dave, what do you tell a driver like, like Russell after he does something like, how do you get him back, you know, his confidence back up? He'll be, you know, that's what he's taught, taught is recovery. Um, and he's hammered himself. You can see that it was kind of reminded me of the Hakkinen thing, you know, yeah. just watching all the tears coming out of his helmet. But um you know the loss. The loss was, I guess, reasonably, reasonably big. Um, that's why he was beating himself up. There was points in the bag there, um, and and it was points for the team. You know, so that team, 
I know what it's like when you're down the back of the grid and you look, you're hunting for that one point or the 12th place that you're fighting for. But in this particular case, it was a point, I think. Um, he, he's just so, you know, he's taken it really badly. He knows it's his mistake. Um, it looked like um, he put the throttle on just as he hit the bump. Again, mm. a little bit unlucky. He won't do that again. Um, and he'll go back. And then when he comes back to the pitch, you know, he'll get, he'll get empathy from, from everyone in the team, you know, arm around him. Don't forget he's, he's still, he's still a youth effectively. So yeah, yeah. Um, you, you, you can't hammer him too much. So. Yeah. And I think the good news for George is I know there's a lot of talk about his future, but I think he's done enough to prove um, his worth and value to Williams um, and Mercedes to that matter. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, I, I think his, you know, a mistake like that is rare for him. And he hasn't made, it's not like he's made a catalogue of errors over the year. Mm. Yeah, exactly. He's had such a great year. I mean, he's never been out qualified by his teammate. They love to say that and all that. So, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm with, with you guys really nothing wrong with uh, everybody makes a mistake every now and then, but Hey guys, let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we'll continue our discussion about the formula one, Emma Grand Prix. Listen to speed city back after these messages. When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. Motivation USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Talk 13-7, the right choice. Hi, guys. This is Pierre Gasly, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Just when you think the producer is asleep, he brings a clip out. <laughs> we were in the break. We're talking about Pierre Gasly. And Daniel Kvyat and how the, that team has been doing so great. What about the drive from Daniel Kvyat? I mean, that was awesome. And Dave, you were talking about how, who knows, Gasly, had he not had a problem, maybe he could have finished third. Yeah, I, you know, and um, the the guy who followed him up was um, was Kvyat. He did a he did a great job today. Um, so did the team. You know, they put the put the wheels on quickly for him. Um, the strategy was good. And he, he also overtook a few people to get there. So um, I hats off to Kvyat. Am I the only one that, that, that thinks, though, that Kvyat only seems to drive really well when his contract's up? 
<laughs> True. Give him a six-month contract? I don't know. <laughs> give him a 30-day contract. <laughs> yeah. Give him a race oh, race contract. Yeah, he's a survivor. Exactly. I'll tell you one thing. He's a, he's a survivor, isn't he? He is, yeah. yeah. I mean, let's, let's not forget. I mean, he was basically booted out because he was right. completely out of control and just, I mean, he was the Maldonado of his time, wasn't he? <laughs> the Maldonado of his time. That's a lovely footnote. But yes, he was. And, you know, I talk about a catalogue of errors uh, that didn't happen with um, George Russell. Well, that's why Kvyat uh, lost his drive, is that he made several errors that were all different and all, you know, kind of didn't help the team and therefore didn't help himself. And that's why he got demoted. But he's he's brought himself back from the brink and he's driving well again. And so, too, obviously, he's gas. It's the same story. Yeah, I, that's why I was so surprised when we were hanging out with them last year that Kvyat was, I mean, he was he was nice and he was seemed smart and all that. But but yeah, they're having a great and great run at it lately. And Dave, in the pre-show, we talked about the budgets and things like that. But, you know, it, you know, it, it's just all coming together for them. And, and you can't attribute it to the budget compared to Red Bull. But but, you know, what do you think is is are the pieces that are put together? Why are they doing so well? Well, I think they've always had a decent package. Um, what they are doing this time is taking advantage of it. There's less mistakes. Um, they've got a um, they've got a good crew together now. Um, I know the the team manager, sporting director there, Graham Watson. He's been there for quite some time. He's also implemented um, a lot of the changes. Um, therefore, given the consistency, he comes from you know the background of the Mercedes team that's um, that's there now. Um, and also Franz, you know, Franz Tost, he's, mm. he's been there. Um, he's there every hour of the day and all he wants to do is better every time he comes in. So those guys, they did lose James Key. I was a little bit sort of worried when James Key headed off to McLaren. But they seem to um, have trained up the, the backroom staff and someone's taken the mantle there. Um, one of the ex-Red uh, Bull guys, um, his name's just popped out of my head. But he took up the uh, the mantle after James Key left. Um, quite a practical guy, um, and you know, no nonsense really. So he's, um, I think he's put the structure back in place, um, and they're just taking advantage of what they have, which is a good solid car, a um, little bit quick as well, you know, at times. Yeah, I agree with that. The the points have just come through. So um, obviously Mercedes. Um, uh, 479 and then we have uh, Red Bull at 226 in second um, Renault at 135 in third and McLaren at 134 in that's, fourth. That's the battle isn't it? That's yeah. the battle. And then Racing Point 134 as well in fifth place and then 30 odd points behind Ferrari in sixth so um, yeah I think third place is a big big fight um, yeah, for the rest time. of the season and that would mean a lot to Renault's future if they were able to, to, to pull that off. Yeah, a very healthy result, that would be. And look at the bounce back for McLaren, who were in the doldrums two years ago, were nowhere. I mean, at least uh, Gilles Ferran and, and Zach Brown can, can be pleased at the way they've, they've managed to, you know, wreck, right the ship, so to speak. Agreed. Agreed. You know, I got to say, Sergio Perez wrapping up in sixth place definitely uh, reinforced his market value as well. And I cannot imagine a team that's left with an empty seat not really wanting Sergio to come join them. All right. Well, let, can I throw something open? What, what, let's, have a, let's get a, a poll here. And maybe if you want to call in, you've got the number up there. Um, where should Perez drive next year? Uh, John. Ah, you know... If you're Perez, from his perspective, is your question? I, uh. He said in an interview that he doesn't, he wants to get, you know, he wants to get his hands dirty in a project that he can see some future in. So that was sort of intonating that he he's doesn't not want to go, to, go to, right. well, I mean, I, I think, you know, he's not there. He wants to, he wants to be the team leader in a place that's going somewhere. And, and, and is that Williams? I wonder. Yeah, that's a really good question because you know, if you if you end up next to Vettel at, at the new at Aston Martin, uh, well, that that would work. Yeah, that is a project that's going forward. I mean, I think if you from that perspective, with the light that you just shed on that, I think that's probably the most likely. Because I, I don't know if I feel like Red Bull is. 
I don't feel like Red well, Bull's going to. Why wouldn't they have confirmed him by now if that was right? The case? Right. So I don't know. I don't know. And it, what's funny is I say all that, and he could still end up at Haas because yeah. that just may be the only option left. And well, go ahead, Les. I'm I'm right there to begin with saying Haas is the place to go uh, because they've got two open seats. He's a veteran driver. There's certainly a project left to be done there. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I want to see that stabilize and get out of the mid pack. Uh, so you could say, you know, there, there's opportunity there to get done. A veteran driver might bring what the, the communication level that they need, uh, the new spirit, the money that he's going to bring. Uh, nationality wise, Americans next to Mexico, and we're generally good neighbors. I think uh, I think there's a, a combination of things, maybe no specific single strong point. But I think all of those rolled together make Haas a great opportunity for both the team and for Sergio Perez. All, all that, except for that wall thing. Other than that, it's good. But hey, Dave, I want to ask you this. It's let's falling say you're down anyway every time it rains. <laughs> you're back. You're back at, let's say, Dave, you're back at Haas F1 and you call up Sergio Perez and you and you got to sell him. Well, how do you sell him on coming to Haas? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not kind of just that call. He's seen what's gone on all year and he's, he's heard, sure. he's, I guess he's heard the rumors of what's going to happen. Um, but I think that, you know, the most consistent thing you could say is that um, the agreement's been signed for five years. So there's a, you know, there's good, good basis there for the Concord agreement. Um, the car, you know, we, we have to say that the, the car, the car is going to make, um, Ford moves, um, but also the engine. I think the the thing you could pull him in on is the engine and what work Ferrari are going to do to um, to put the engine back on point again. Mm. Um, and those are the those are the things. But I was just looking through the constructors here, looking for what openings he has. Um, and I think Williams is the is the harder sell um, purely yeah. because I, I haven't heard any um, you know huge amounts of money dropping in at Williams to get it going again. Um, and normally, when these people take over, um, yeah. they have a fright. They have a fright just to say, "Well, you know, this this is bigger than we thought it's going to be. We're going to have to get rid of X amount of people, reduce the budgets. Cut, cut is coming, um, and that is a bigger project in my eyes. Getting Williams um, up and running again. Um, Alpha's done. Alpha Tori's done. Ferrari's done. Well, is Alpha Tori done? Well, I, th- I think so. I think that um, why would you get rid of those two? They um, they're, they're cheap. Both of those drivers, um, they're young, um, and also yeah. they're, they're good. It's not just for AlphaTauri. It's they're good spares for Red Bull. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't so know. So that why. that that leads me to say, what about Albon's seat then? It could Perez. Um, potentially get in there. You'd like to think, I don't know why Red Bull don't think of the points for the constructors, because if you did have someone who was scoring the same yeah. or just a couple of points less than Verstappen, they'd still have the fight open for the, yeah. for the, for the championship. And you can't tell me that they just don't want to win a constructors championship. It just doesn't make sense. So um, I, I think it's either, it's going to be Haas or Red Bull. For, for Perez, he brings a little bit of money that doesn't really make too much of a an it interest for Red, for Red Bull, but it does for Haas. You know, there's there's def, definitely an appetite to take ten or fifteen million off his hands and have have a pretty cool driver in your seat. Yeah, you know, if you had Sergio Perez there, you would eliminate all that. He's such a he's such a veteran. He's comfortable in his ability. He's not going to be intimidated by Max. Okay, maybe Max is better. I don't know. Maybe he's faster, but he's not going to have the the mental pressure that you'd have that if you're Albon or Gasly or any of those guys but hey guys I have some breaking news uh apparently Lewis Hamilton drank a shoey with with Daniel <laughs> Ricciardo <laughs> and and when he asked how it tasted he said I don't really like the taste of champagne something like toe jam so. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's, it, trust the Australians to, to, to bring Australia to the rest of the world, eh? 
<laughs> and then Lewis Hamilton used his shoe, filled it t- several times, and poured it over Daniel Ricciardo's head. Uh, Man, I, I'm delighted to see Ricciardo on the podium again, and 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 more more importantly, you know, Renault because you know the the French are like the Italians, you know, they're fickle. If they're not winning, they're they're fed up. Uh, and, and therefore the backers at Renault get fed up and they've had a pretty tumultuous couple of years with their boss in trouble and all the rest of it. And then uh, being the only customer when they used to have bunches of customers, um, I, I hope and obviously behind the scenes, I know that Renault have been bolstering that team from maybe a couple of hundred to like plus 400, I think, Dave. Um, you know, th- things are looking rosier. I know Ricardo's going, but, uh, you know, Alonso's coming. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? You said it's good to see Daniel Ricciardo on the podium for that, but it's just good to see him up there. He's good for the sport. He's so yeah. relaxed and, and fun and spoke so popular for obvious reasons. So it's good to see him up there. But all right, guys, we got to take our last break. And when we come back, we're going to reply to William Ricker. He tweeted at us talking about Max Verstappen uh, possibly facing penalties for some from some of his words he said last week. And I've got that in my <laughs> notes. So we'll, we'll reply to you, William. And uh, this is Beat City. We'll be back after a quick message. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Austin's Talk, 1370. Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Yes, we are going to talk about Max Verstappen because we had someone tweet at us a while ago and ask us, is he going to face any penalties for the things that he said uh, last weekend, unless you got a, you found a good story, I think on Autosport or something that, that talks all about what he said. Yeah. Well, you know, as much as I love Max being a hard charger, he, he kind of uh, said something that's uh, rubbing a lot of folks the wrong way. After his, uh, his collision with Lance Stroll, we'll leave that to its own story. <laughs> uh, during the free practice of Portimao, Verstappen keys up on the mic and says, is this, fire truck guy blind what the fire truck is wrong with him <laughs> fire truck Christ. what are you talking about fire, oh fire truck is the f, f word I okay <laughs> jesus christ what a retard i have damage what a mongol i swear so that's that's max's quote with the exception of the fire truck <laughs> so uh that's rubbed a lot of people wrong uh, including the mongoli mongolian government yeah mongols yes. Uh, mentally challenged folks over the retard portion yeah. of that. He's a, he's a double uh, whammy on that sentence. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that it doesn't make it right. But yes, in certain circles, things get abrasive. You say things in your excitement and whatnot. Is it worth a penalty? I don't know. I do not know about that. Well, in this whole era right now, and you know, every uh, on yeah. every... Sh- the show that F1 starts, it says we race as one, you know, that's all about right now. What were you going to say, Jonathan? Well, I was about to say, yes, we are in a very PC world, but we all, we all still go and watch Borat, right? <laughs> I can honestly say I haven't ever seen it. I've laughed at the commercials. Oh, well, I laugh at the commercials. Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan aren't particularly impressed. <laughs> uh, Dave, you've probably done it. that tourism that much. 
Dave, I know you do some driver coaching now. What do you tell drivers about team radio and stuff? And I, well, I know in young in smaller series, it's not necessarily broadcast, but still, you got to address that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, and Max um, Max said what he said. You know, whether he whether he knew what he was talking about or not, or whether he's um, he just he just said stuff. You know, he can't he can't say that anymore. We're not in the not in the right place to to say those sort of things. And um, it's all about recovery, isn't it? You know, that's what I teach my drivers is making sure that if something happens, you recover as quickly as you can from it. Um, in some cases, it's quite difficult. In some cases, you can get over it quite quickly. Um, you know, and it depends what you're charged with. Yeah. I'll get, I'll get Dave to speak to this, but uh, John and Les, I know Dave will agree with me, but the one thing that young drivers, especially coming from Formula 3 and especially coming from like Brazil or Italy, get taught their English by their mechanics to, <laughs> let's just say this, they, 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 they speak a fairly guttural form of English. And, that, you know, it's not necessarily too PC, but it's it's that, that's how they learn English. So you hear in interviews some of the most amazing stuff come out of their mouths because that's how the, that's their word choice. Their vocabulary is what they've learned from the guy they're working from the mechanics. With. OK, yeah. yeah. Is that, that right, Dave? That is completely true. You just sort of um, gave me a bit of a reminder about um, when I was a mechanic on Ivan Muller's car when we were... Yeah. Um, Teammates with Paris. Um, his sister Kathy Muller spoke English perfectly, but Ivan, um, or Ivan the Terrible, as his mum used to call him, um, didn't speak any English at all. So he was put with me um, as the mechanic to, to not only um, you know, work on his car, but get him, get him the English language, um, as I can't really speak properly now anyway. But he, um, the first word I taught him, which I can't repeat, um, he said to his sister, and she she leant back and clipped him around the ear. So, <laughs> <laughs> was, yeah, and uh, it's a bit of a it's a it's an in joke, isn't it? That you try to you, you know try and set them up. <laughs> exactly, you try and set them up because they're yeah. you know they're drivers and they you know they need to be knocked down a peg or two now and again. Well, exactly. and Dave, Dave, you talked about recovery, right? It, it instantly reminds me of the NFL when a quarterback or a college football or any football for that matter when they throw a quarter a quarterback throws an interception. Because it's devastating. It's one of the worst things that can happen in a game. It's a turnover and all those things. And then you see the good ones immediately turn around and go straight back. You know, the coach knows that they go straight back to another pass play. They don't run the ball. They pass it immediately. You know, next time he's got the ball and they throw, you know, he throws a touchdown, you know, because the good ones can do that. They can recover. They can just put it behind them. But that does, some of them are naturally that way. And I, you know, I think of cool heads like Kimi, maybe. But if you you the training, if you, you know, just pound that into their head, it's like, look, everybody's going to make a mistake. You just have to move on and you can show them, you know, examples of the best of the best making mistakes and turning it around. So I think that's that's a big part of that. You, you just have to look at um, Lewis and Bono, you know, the amount of times Bono tells Lewis to get his head down and get on with it. Um, it's still going on there with the best driver in the world. So, um, we, you know, you all need coaching. We all need coaching. And um, sometimes it takes someone that you trust or respect to say, come on, let's get on with it. Forget about that. And again, Max, he prime example with his engineer is um, same words. Let's get on with it. Concentrate. Get, get, get focused again. So. You know what? That brings up an interesting point because I've always, even while he was winning his four titles, uh, Vettel has always been, I think, precious that way. And now he's got no one to say, hey, come on, pull it together. And huh. because he's leaving the team. And so he's on his own. And I think it shows because he's got his head down and no one's there saying, come on, son, you, you're better than this. You're a four-time champ. And, yeah, and, and I really point. do think that he's a, he's a confidence-led guy. He is very talented, but he is precious. When Weber was getting to him, you know, he, he mm -hmm. made some moves. Schumacher, to be honest, Schumacher uh, had his own fragility as well, as did Senna. Um, but, you know, you, you manage it. And that was what was the beauty of, uh, of Schumacher was that, you know, Ross Braun knew exactly how to deal with Michael if he got, you know, like some of his shenanigans at Monaco and, and whatever. You know, it's like, come on, snap out of it. You don't need to be doing that. You're better than that. Yeah, no, that, no I totally agree. I never thought of the Vettel bit. Um, yeah. 
and, and I think that's um, that's a that's a decent part of the jigsaw that he is missing. He yeah. um, when he was doing all his winning, he was the blue-eyed boy, and um, you know had everyone patting him on the back. Now it's like people staring at him, conversations stopping when he walks in the truck, and yeah, I think he's and definitely in Italy, that from is it. Tough, you know. Tough, yeah. It just yeah. goes to show it's truly a team sport, Dave. You talk about it all the time about it being a team sport, and but you don't think of a guy like Vettel needing that. But you you just said it a minute ago, Dave. Everybody needs coaching. I think you know mm-hmm. uh, the the best of the best in any sport has got somebody to help them in 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 that mental way or something like that. That's a really good point, Jonathan. That may be that may be the the, the real key to what's going on with Vettel. Uh, I had a story in my post-race notes that I wanted to talk about. It was talking about COVID, and we've got – I mean, I haven't really been following the U.K., but apparently they're going to do a big lockdown or something, Jonathan. One, but, one month, yeah. Yeah. One month. And, and, uh, and, the, and the, the belief is – and I, I think it's a smart one, but the belief is – I mean, it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be tough. But the belief is, look, do you want Christmas with your family or don't you, you know? And – um, they're not, they're shut, they're shutting down all the pubs and, you know, the, the, they're shutting down the access points to socializing and gathering, but they're not shutting down. For example, formula one doesn't feel as though it's going to be, uh, entirely affected by it. So you can still go into work and, it, and mm-hmm. be in your own managed work environment. So they don't want to shut the economy down, but, um, it's going to be tough. Yeah. And, and the article that I saw on racefans.net was just talking about how, uh, Toto Wolf was saying, that F1 can keep racing despite these new lockdowns. And I just thought that was interesting. But Jonathan, you know, you keep your finger on the, the pulse of the New Zealand motorsport. But wasn't New Zealand the one that just totally eliminated COVID? I don't want to go into COVID discussion. But yeah, yeah. Didn't, no, they did. Didn't they just uh, like 100% eliminated? Yeah. Uh, they Well, they, they shut down very early. Uh, Jacinda Ahern, I think, has done a splendid job. Um, they shut down very tightly uh, and stopped any movement um and of course they've only got a population of four million and also really only two major international airports um they immediately stopped international travel as well uh, even at first to new zealanders um so it was even tough for citizens of new zealand to get in without quarantine and that's still still i heard one case where a husband and wife the wife was in la and he had to she couldn't come back uh, to New Zealand without him. So he had to go pick her up almost. Um, and they still had to quarantine. Uh, and that's kind of where New Zealand is now. They're down to a minute. They've had a, a second outbreak, but we're talking like 16, 20 cases. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Toto Wolf just said that he said, we've been traveling country to country. We've kept in our bubbles. There's very few positive cases. And that's why I don't think we're really providing any risk to any countries that they are go to because they have a safe group. And, you know, again, the last, the last report they had was 4,281 COVID-19 tests of personnel associated with F1, and nine have been positive. And that's that's actually kind of on the high side. You know, they do that that announcement every race week, and sometimes it'll be one, two, three. It's just amazing that that just goes to show when you talk about the F1 level of anything, whether it's the F1 level of research or technology or whatever they have proven that they have been able to manage this really john i i want to put a shout out to nascar i mean i'm out there doing trans am and have had to travel um not you know not against my will but it's not a lot of fun out there traveling on planes um but i think nascar set set everything in motion for everybody including formula one um, in terms of their protocol, and I was yeah. really impressed. I want to put a shout out to IMS, to Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, they took they took temperatures every morning, gave us a, a different band every morning, so that we knew that we were in an environment that everybody had been checked that day. That's great. That's oh, that's great. fantastic. All right, yeah. boys. Well, we are done, and uh, I want to thank everybody who interacted with us on social media today. That was great, and of course. You can catch all of our – we do a regular show every Sunday night besides these Formula One shows, but go to our website, speedcitybroadcast.com, and check out our schedule. And, of course, we'll talk to you next Sunday. Ciao, y'all. Happy trails. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.